Hi, welcome to episode 512 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and 90% of my t-shirts were shot at me with a gun. Today it's Fantastic Four 512 from June 2004. Spider-Sense Part 1 by Mark Wade and Mike Weringo. Johnny Storm is wearing a nice suit and strolling down the street one day. Someone passes by carrying a boombox. Was that still a thing in 2004? And the Howard Stern show is playing. And Howard says, So then, I say, you're out of your mind. You don't get to talk about the human torch like that. He is too fit to sleep with a gargoyle. Bite me, Howard. Johnny mumbles to himself. Too fit to sleep with a gargoyle? What does that even mean? Johnny passes a store window that advertises all Fantastic Four merchandise is on clearance to make way for new Spider-Man merchandise. Yeah, that sounds about right. He sees a scruffy-looking man wearing a Human Torch t-shirt, and he says, I see at least somebody is still a fan. The dirty, bearded man, either he's a homeless person or a movie star in between roles, says, What? The Torch shirt? We, we all got him. The dumpster was full of him. He points in the alley, and a bunch of homeless people are getting free Human Torch t-shirts out of the garbage. That's a good viral marketing idea anyway. I should give out Fantastic Forecast t-shirts to homeless people to wear around town. To add further insult to injury, one homeless kid doesn't want to wear it, so his mom says he can turn it inside out. I've been doing the same thing with my Carolina Hurricanes t-shirts for the last few years. On a newsstand, he sees a poster for New York Mo New York's most eligible bachelor in 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002, and 2003, the winner was Spider-Man. And in 2004, the winner is Johnny Storm. Johnny has a closer look, but it, it turns out it's not for the most eligible bachelor, it's for the least eligible bachelor. Now Spider-Man I can understand. With the mask on, he seems kind of like a creepy, crazy person. And people don't know that, in reality, Spider-Man is actually a super good-looking and incredibly smart guy. But Johnny Storm, in what universe would somebody who looks like him be considered the least eligible bachelor? Ugh, Spider-Man, Johnny grumbles to himself. Later, back at Reed's lab, Reed is going over some new invention, something that stores and divides photonic wavelengths into sub-angstorm units, allowing him to intercept the brain's electro static alpha waves. Jeez. I don't know why anyone would want a device to intercept the brain's electrostatic alpha waves, but I'm sure by the end of this story, it'll come in handy. They always do. It's Chekhov's alpha static alpha brain brainwave interceptor. Johnny's back on the job as the chief financial officer of FF Inc., and he's telling Reed they need some money to fund their PR. Reed says they can manage. He's got a hypersonic cure for acne, and he tells Johnny to go sell it to Revlon. Franklin comes into the room, wearing a Spider-Man hat, and tells Johnny, It's okay. Second place is nothing to be shamed of. Johnny storms out of the room, and Ben hands Franklin some money for helping get under Johnny's skin. The next page is the title page, with a summary of the previous issue. This page includes a panel showing the Daily Bugle, New York Rotten Apple Awards, as voted on by the people of New York City. And the winner is, with 58% of the vote, Johnny Storm. Second place, 
with 26% is Spider-Man. How did J. Jonah Jameson not rig these votes so that Spider-Man would lose or win? Anyway, and in the third place, with 16% of the vote for the New York Rotten Apple Awards, it's Donald Trump. No shit. Once a rotten apple, always a rotten apple. Night comes, and in the sky, the human torch writes in flames, Spidey, meet me at the usual place. So Johnny's waiting at the Statue of Liberty, and Spider-Man comes swinging over. I never understood how Spider-Man can get to the Statue of Liberty. It's on an island, way out in New York Harbor, and it's not even close to the shore. It's way over on, the, like, the New Jersey side. How can he swing all the way across the entire harbor? Johnny tells Spidey he needs some advice, and Spider-Man replies that if it's advice about macrame, he doesn't know anything. Because of the webs, people think he must be a hotshot at weaving and knitting, but that's a false assumption. You know, considering how fancy his costume is, which he made himself, he's clearly a hotshot in sewing and knitting. That's for sure. Johnny says it's not about macrame. He's got a serious question. Johnny reminds Spider-Man that since the invasion of Latveria and being labeled traitors by the government, their endorsements have dried up, money is tight, and they're having a very Ben Affleck year. That's what Johnny says, a Ben Affleck year. It's hard to remember which crappy movies were in 2003 and 2004. Okay, in 2003, he's got a double bill of Daredevil and Geely. Ooh, that is pretty terrible. Even though I guess in the Marvel Universe, there was no Daredevil Daredevil movie, I suppose. And in 2004, he's got Surviving Christmas and Jersey Girl. Ugh, so many bad movies. Ben Affleck has had a lot of Ben Affleck years. 2016, another Ben Affleck year. But at least he was the bomb in Phantoms, yo. Johnny asks Spidey how he deals with being so hated by the public. Really? He has to ask the question to a man wearing a mask? He's got a mask on! Everybody hates Spider-Man, but it's not like everybody hates Peter Parker. But in Johnny's case, everybody hates the Human Torch, and they hate Johnny Storm equally. Tell me how to get through the day as a complete loser, Johnny asks. Spidey is about to strangle Johnny when they're interrupted by a bright light shining down on them from a helicopter from the Department of Homeland Security telling them they're trespassing on government property. The torch carries Spider-Man back to Manhattan, and they make plans to meet the next day at a park in Hoboken. How the hell is Spider-Man going to swing across the Hudson River? Spider-Man really needs to pick some better places to meet. Meanwhile, the thing arrives at the art studio of Alicia Masters, carrying a big block of hard rock for her. And no, that's not a sexual euphemism. He's got a big block of rock for Alicia to make a statue out of. He looks around the room and he sees a bunch of thing statues and for some reason he gets upset and he destroys the block of rock he's carrying. Alicia comes into the room along with Franklin and Valeria and she asks, Are you alright? What was that noise? Ben lies and says, Slipped. Sorry. And we see that Ben has cracked her wall with a big block of rock. Once again, not a euphemism, he's cracked the wall of her apartment or her studio when he crushed that big block of stone. Alicia asks the kids if she can have a moment alone with Ben. So they leave the room and she asks him what's bugging him. He looks at the, st at the statues and they remind him that he's a rock monster again 
and maybe he should have stayed in heaven. I think Ben has lost the right to complain about that by now. He's been human several times now, and has willingly gone back to being a rock monster. He says that maybe he should have stayed in heaven because now, the world looks like a pretty lousy place. Alicia has to assure his, her ex-boyfriend that he's not a monster, and says maybe his rocky hide was a gift. And then they start talking about how Alicia hates the cold. She has sensitive fingers, and anything under 50 degrees hurts them. Ben asks how she deals with it, and she replies that she wears gloves. What a scintillating conversation this is. Man, how did I ever let you go? Ben asks. Good question. When you're a rock monster, and you meet a woman with a fetish for rock monsters, you should probably keep her around. So the next morning, at a park in Hoboken, Johnny meets up with Spider-Man, who's in disguise wearing a trench coat and a hat, and his Spider-Man mask. So he's not really fooling anybody. People are looking at him like, why is Spider-Man wearing a trench coat and a hat? And did Spider-Man go out and buy the coat and hat specifically for this meeting? It doesn't look like something that Peter Parker would own or wear. I think Mark Wade had the same concern, so he added dialogue explaining that the coat and hat belongs to Ben and Johnny bought it for Spider-Man to wear so he can be incognito, forgetting that he himself is also pretty famous. And the place they're meeting is a water park? Which is an even odder choice of a meeting place than the Statue of Liberty. Did they have to pay to get in just so they can talk to each other? They go all the way to a park in Hoboken to meet, and it's even more crowded than any park in New York City. Just for fun, Spider-Man starts screaming out, Hey, it's Johnny Storm, everybody, from the Fantastic Four! People look at him, and they are not too happy to see Mr. Storm. One old guy says that he even heard that the Fantastic Four sold arms to Gaddafi. Sounds like something he must have heard on Fox News, because it's not true. Another lady says... I heard he burns down animal shelters. Animal shelters? No. Colleges? Yes. Spider-Man takes off his trench coat, and people recognize him, and one guy punches Spider-Man in the back. It's a supervillain. Guess who? What supervillain would they find at a water park? If you said the Red Skull, that's a good guess, but you'd be wrong. It's Hydro-Man, the villain made out of water. It turns out he was working at the water park. I think when you run a water park, and a resume from a guy calling himself Hydro-Man lands on your desk, you pay attention. And Hydro-Man thinks that Johnny and Spider-Man are there looking for him, which they weren't. But once again, bad choice of meeting place for sure. Johnny and Spidey think this is an amazing coincidence, but some mysterious figure lurking over by the restrooms says to himself, coincidence, hardly. So Hydro-Man is screaming out, you'll never take me alive! And he makes waves, literally, all over the water park. Water is everywhere. People are running for their lives. Johnny flames on. Finally, a bad guy that Johnny should easily beat, right? All he has to do is evaporate Hydro-Man. Of course, after he flames on, he ruins the supply of ice cream in a nearby vendor's cart. Johnny is already in the running for Mr. Rotten Apple 2005. Spidey and Johnny try to lead Hydro-Man away from the crowds. And Johnny proceeds to blast him with flames. But Hydro-Man turns around and douses Johnny with water, dousing his flames. And Johnny's clothes are sopping wet, so he takes them off! Everything! Even his little Fantastic Four boxers. Normally, parading around naked would improve his popularity, but not at a water park filled with children. The issue ends with Johnny sitting in a pool, naked, 
surrounded by playing children, yelling out, I have no pants! Oh, poor Johnny. I've been there, done that. And that is the end of the story. No crap, that's the cliffhanger. Johnny in the pool naked with a bunch of kids. But that is not the end of the issue because there's a backup story called Gone Fishing by Mark Wade and Paul Smith. So the story starts with Sue sitting on her bed going through a bunch of old photographs and talking on the phone with Alicia about how Reed has been much better lately, more stable, but still, things have not been quite the same since they got back from Latveria. But she tells Alicia she can handle it. And she has an idea. She looks at an old photo of the Submariner inscribed with the note, To Sue, with all my love, name her. Ah, the old ploy. Let's make my boyfriend jealous by flirting with another man. Oh, I've been there, done that. She goes on to ask Reed if he wants to go shopping with her, and surprisingly, he turns her down. He says he's busy. Really? What man doesn't want to go shopping with his wife? That's crazy. Sue replies, That's fine. I've been looking for an excuse to phone Namer anyway. And suddenly, he wants to go shopping now. Go figure. A couple days later, Franklin is back from swimming. He still seems wet. Do they have a pool at the Baxter building? Anyway... Reed notices that Franklin is wearing a new swimsuit, a very familiar-looking set of green swim trunks. He tells his dad that he got them from his mom. And a couple days later, Reed finds Sue dusting off a new decoration for their headquarters, a big, life-size statue of the Submariner. And then the next day, Sue is on the phone with Alicia. By the way, what, the, what is up with this Alicia stuff? She hasn't been around for years, and suddenly, she's chummy with Ben again, chummy with Sue, babysitting the kids. It's such an odd friendship. They're close friends with Alicia, they don't talk to her for several years, and now they're close friends again, just like that. It's crazy. Sue is telling Alicia that nothing she does is getting through to Reed, but then Reed stretches his head into the room, saying, You wanted to see me? And he stretches his face out, and his eyebrows, so he kind of looks like Namer. And they both have a hearty Justice League laugh. Ha 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 ha! Reed apologizes for being preoccupied lately. He says he understands that she could have been Miss Submariner if she wanted to. But she replies that Subby is hot, but he can't teach her kids trigonometry. But he can talk to Wells, Reed adds. She says not to pick on her old boyfriends. I'd hardly call him an old boyfriend if I were her. He did kidnap her once and try to force her to marry him. But it was the 1960s, though, so I guess that does qualify as being a boyfriend. Those were strange times. Sue asked, What about your old girlfriend, Alyssa, or whatever her name was? The little Laura Croft wannabe you used to run around with. When was the last time you heard from her? Reed's like, Um, yes, in typical comic book fashion, a big, huge coincidence, Sue brings up Alyssa. It turns out Alyssa is sitting in the FF's living room. To be continued. And that is the end of the issue. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Now the universe left you for runner's lap. It feels like home when it comes crashing back. And it makes you